Today we conclude our three-part series of messages entitled The Close of Probation. I know it's been about a month and we've had different things like camp meeting and other special Sabbaths in the interim. And I almost didn't do this third part, but I thought that it'd be appropriate since I did announce that we were having three parts to complete this series. And so I want to uh, invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. I have the page number on the screen, and I want to go through a few verses that we touched on earlier in our series of messages, the first part. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7 and 8, page 1374 in the Bible that's there in the pew, 1374, and here Paul is quoting from Psalms 95, verse 7 and 8, and he's quoting a particular passage, 1374 is the passage, and he actually quotes this three times. Again, he designated a certain day, saying in David, Today, after such a long time, as it has been said, Today, if you hear his voice, do not, what does your Bible say? Harden your hearts. I want us to look at the other passage. Let's go to Hebrews chapter, I read the wrong one. All right, let's go to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 15, the previous one, 3, verse 15. And it says, while it is said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. And let's go to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15. It says, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are. I got my verses mixed up a little bit here. All right, so this is the verse that we're looking at. Not one time. Not two times, but three times here in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 7 and the other passages, you have this psalm quoted, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. The implication of this passage is that the best opportunity that we have to respond to God's voice is the first time that you hear it. Amen? is the first time, not the second time, not the third time, because as we do not respond to God's voice, we are in danger of what the Bible calls a process of hardening, where our hearts become harder every time we do not respond to God's voice. I've experienced this in Bible studies. I sit down with an individual. We study the Sabbath, and they say, Pastor, I see the Sabbath. It's very clear. I need to make a stand for the Sabbath, but let me wait a little bit. Let me think about this. Let me not make a decision right now. Even though I'm hearing God's voice, I want to postpone it. And many times, not all the time, I will sit down with the same individual the next week. Same Bible passage, same study, And yet, it's fascinating what will happen just in a short span of even a week. I'll sit down with the same individual, and they'll say, Pastor, I just don't see it the same way anymore. Now, what has happened? 
Has the Bible changed? Has God changed? Has the Bible truth about the Sabbath changed? No, all of these things are constant and they remain the same. But the difference is that through not responding to God's voice the first time, the second time, something has happened within the heart of the individual in which they have become hardened to the voice of the Holy Spirit and they're no longer able to respond in the same way as before, which means that with every spiritual decision that we make, once we make that decision, we change. We get harder or we get softer to God's voice. We are changing with every single moral decision that we make, and once we pass through that portal, that decision, we come out on the other side a different individual. And through a series of decisions, not one decision, but through a series of decisions, we end up in a state that we were nowhere near when we started our journey. Are you following me here this morning, yes or no? Which means that you could come to the place where you no longer hear God's voice, not because God is not reaching out to us, not because God is not calling, but because through a series of decisions, we have put ourselves in a position that we can no longer hear God's voice anymore. Some people ask, Pastor, I'm afraid I've committed the unpardonable sin. Well, if you're asking that question, you likely probably have not committed the unpardonable sin. Because the person that has committed the unpardonable sin through a lifestyle of choices have hardened their hearts so much that they just don't care anymore. The person that's committed that sin through a lifestyle of choices doesn't even care about the nature of sin, whether they've committed the unpardonable sin or not. So this is the trajectory of what the Bible talks about. When we think about the concept of hardening, it means to become firm or solid, to solidify, to become set, to calcify, to make inflexible or unchangeable, or to become, what is the last word up there? To become cemented. That is what the Bible is talking about. It uses this interesting word, this figurative word, of hardening, and this is what it means, that our characters are actually in phases, in a two-phase of forming and hardening. We can always change by the grace of God, but through these changes and through these decisions, we can actually put ourselves in a position of character in which we can no longer respond to God's voice anymore. This is what the Bible talks about in this process of hardening, of calcifying, of becoming solid or becoming set. This is a quotation from Patriarchs and Prophets. And notice the language here. The rejection of light darkens the mind and hardens the heart. She's using the same language as in Hebrews chapter 3 and 4. So that it is easier for them to take the next step in sin and to reject still clearer light until at last their, what? Their habits. Now, a habit does not develop immediately. This is a lifestyle of rejection. Until at last their habits of wrongdoing become, what is the word up there? Become fixed. What's another word for that? Hardened, solidified, calcified. It becomes fixed. 
sin ceases to become sinful to them. This is the scenario. You hear God's voice, you don't respond, you become hardened. You hear God's voice, you do not respond, you become hardened. And through a lifestyle, it's not one decision, it's a lifestyle, a series of decisions to the point that you become cemented in your behavior. Have you ever heard a word before or a phrase used, he's just set in his what? Ways. Oh, you just can't change grandpa. He's been doing this for 95 or you know, 80 years. He's just set in his ways. He gets up at the same time. It's like clockwork. My dad is probably the most disciplined man I know. All right, this man my, my, is, is like clockwork. And over a lifestyle of this, my, my sister used to say when she would uh, be in her uh, um, ethereal consciousness in the morning, she always knew what time it was because the shower would go on exactly, precisely, to the second, 4.30 a.m. Every single day. She'd hear the shower. Ah, it's 4.30. Look over at the clock. Yeah. After a while, she just knew what had happened. Through a lifestyle, a series of events, those neural pathways have become so settled that now it's not just a path, it is a freeway that just happens automatically. And this is not only in the sense of like driving or riding a bicycle, it is the same for our moral neural pathways. You can become so set in your ways that it becomes very difficult for God to speak to your heart. And I use the illustration of cement. Our characters are like cement. When I was in academy, I had the privilege, to the detriment of the people that I was working for, of working with cement. I do not have a practical bone in my body. And this is the challenge of cement, I discovered by practice, is that there are two phases, for the sake of illustration, of cement. There is the forming stage, isn't that correct? There is a stage when it's pliable, moldable, that you can form it. You can put those forms in place, and you can roll the things out and and create even designs on them. And there is that period, that window, that time period, that phase in which you can still mold the cement in the direction that you want. But as the cement, that's a chemical reaction, reacts with the carbon dioxide, there is a process that that phase does not remain permanent. In other words, you cannot mold it and form it forever. Eventually, it will pass into the solid state, the fixed state, the calcified state. And once it has hardened, try forming it. It just doesn't work. You have to go there with a sledgehammer and break it up. That is the only way to alter that state. It is in a solid, calcified state, and our characters are the same. Our characters are in two phases, the forming stage and the fixed stage. The forming of the character and the fixed character. And we'll see in another passage that this goes not only for good, but for evil. I'm not saying that it's impossible for us to change, but the anatomy of our character is positioned or created by God to be in these two phases. 
Meaning that we have the opportunity today, by the grace of God, to allow God to form our character, but it will not be forever this way. Two phases, two stages, the forming of character and the fixed character. And I want to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 22 and verse 11. As we go to our scripture reading, this is the last chapter of the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22 and verse 11, and we've heard this many times in, in reference to the close of probation. Revelation chapter 22 and verse 11, we believe as Seventh-day Adventists that this is the final proclamation that takes place before what we call the close of probation. Jesus stands up in the most holy place of the heavenly sanctuary, and he makes this pronouncement at the end of what we call the investigative judgment, and this is the phrase that comes out of the mouth of the high priest, which is Jesus Christ in the heavenly sanctuary, Revelation chapter 22 and verse 11. He who is unjust, let him be unjust, what does your Bible say? Still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still, and he who is holy, let him be holy still. Now, whenever you study the Bible and you see a word repeated multiple times, you know that this is an emphasis by the author, by the Bible writer. So here you have four times the word still is repeated, four times. There are two categories, if you were to break them up. The category of good character, isn't that right? Unjust, filthy, those are negative characters. Righteous um, and holy, those are good characters. So you have two categories in this verse, uh, supported by these two subcategories, but overall there's two categories, the righteous character and the unrighteous character. Both of these characters are going to be set, are going to be solidified, are going to be calcified, are going to be fixed. This is the final pronouncement that comes out of the mouth of God at the close of probation. When I was a child and I was taught this verse in reference to the close of probation, I used to think that God would arbitrarily stand up and say, all right, guys, close of probation. Um, you're righteous. Okay, you're going to be righteous right now. If you're unrighteous, Guess what? It's too late. You're unrighteous. You're kind of like locked in position by a proclamation coming out of the mouth of God. I've come to the conclusion that this is quite the contrary. In reality, Jesus in this passage is making a pronouncement of the reality that has already happened on planet Earth. Okay? Jesus is not arbitrarily standing up and saying, Oh, too late, guys. Whatever you are right now, you are stuck. Tough. That is not what is happening in this verse, and that does not correlate with my understanding of how Jesus Christ operates in the plan of salvation. What is happening in this passage is that Jesus is making a pronouncement of the reality that has already happened here on planet Earth, which means that in this passage, there is a universal, accelerated, unified solidifying of character on planet earth that on planet earth 
There is an accelerated, unified development of character from the forming stage to the fixed stage, and that at one point in human history, every single character, listen to this very carefully, every single character on planet Earth will be fully matured, solidified, and fixed at the exact same time. The righteous character and the unrighteous character. So that not only planet Earth will see, but the entire universe will see two characters. One that is just like Jesus and the other that is just like the devil. And once that maturation has taken place and every character is cemented, Jesus stands up and makes the pronouncement of the reality that has already taken place. Not because of God's choice, but because of our choices and our lifestyle. This is exactly what is happening. Revelation chapter 18. We don't have time to go there, but the Revelation chapter 18 says that the whole earth is lit with the glory of God, which means that before Jesus comes, there will be a manifestation of the character of the love of God on planet earth that is unprecedented in human history. The world will see, as never before, the love and the character of Jesus Christ. There will be light unprecedented. And the entity that accelerates the character development process is light. Why did Pharaoh harden his heart? Why was his heart hardened in such an accelerated period? Because the ten last plagues was grace. It was unprecedented light showing to a pagan and heathen king the power and the glory of God. And in unprecedented light was not only unprecedented opportunity, but the converse of that in not responding to it is accelerated character development and hardening. So unprecedented light means acceleration in the process, which means at the end of time that God's glory, the light will be so unprecedented, there will be unprecedented opportunity, but in the same breath, there will be unprecedented acceleration of the hardening process so that those that do not respond to God's voice in the end of time will be placed, for the lack of a better illustration, in a microwave of acceleration to take them from A to B. The hardening process will be accelerated in the end of time. Right now, I believe we are living in that accelerated process. Solemn thought. I believe that we are on the very edge of eternity. That right now, We have the opportunity today, when? Today, to choose to allow who is going to be the person forming and fashioning our character. We have this window of opportunity. I believe that no one in this room, just by you entering the doors of this sanctuary today, none of you are in that set category right now. None of you are in that hardened state. All of us have hope. All of us have the opportunity to allow God to form us, to shape us after the image of God on a day in and day out opportunity, and you will never have a better opportunity than today. 
And you have this window by the grace of God, but it's an accelerated window. The forming process, I have never seen accelerated so much as we approach the second coming of Jesus Christ. I take the example of Anthony. Anthony, just last year, was on a different page. He was on campus, was not a member of our church. He accepted the truth, and in a very short turn uh, of events, his life was dramatically changed and altered, and I'm seeing people accelerated through the process of justification and sanctification in preparation for eventual and immediate glorification when Jesus comes a second time. This is what we're experiencing. Right now, we have this window, we have this opportunity to allow Jesus to recreate his image within us. And all he wants is our cooperation and our submission to his handiwork. You don't have to recreate yourself. God can do it. God will do it. He's the only person that can. And we have this opportunity. This is what we are talking about in reference to the relationship between the close of probation and character development. We are in the forming stage right now. And the question is, which character is being developed in you and me? How do we allow Jesus to recreate his image within our lives? This is a question, and we alluded to it earlier in our presentation. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, it says, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. This is a very interesting tense in the Greek, are being transformed. It's an ongoing process of transformation into the same image from glory to glory, from one character to another character, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. This is the principle of how you become like an individual in character. You think about them. You meditate. You absorb your mind with thoughts about the individual, in this case, Jesus Christ, and you become like him in character. And we touched on this principle of media. I'm not saying that everything that comes across the airways is evil in nature, but the devil has leveraged the media for one purpose and one purpose alone. He knows this principle of beholding you become. And by allowing our minds to become absorbed with the programming that is straight from the devil's mind and heart, coming into our own minds and hearts through a series and through a program and through a lifestyle of choices, he is forming not the image of Jesus Christ, but the image of the devil upon our characters. This is what's happening. This is the medium of the media, and this is the agenda. There's only going to be two characters in the end of time, one that is like character of Jesus Christ and the other that is like the character of the devil. And the program, the program for the becoming like the devil, I'd say a large majority of the program comes across the airways. What is on the airways? Adultery, murder, lying, fornication, all of these things are programming the individual not to become like Jesus Christ, but become like the devil. And this is what's happening. This is the agenda in the great controversy between good and evil. And we just have to ask ourselves the question, 
which character am I forming? By answering, where do I spend the majority of my time? If it is here, you're on the program. You're on the fast track of a certain character that will become set, that will become solidified as we approach the end of time. This is the program, the book, that God has given to us to help us to become more like Jesus. Can you say amen? You know, this is it. It's the Bible. And this is where we need to spend our time. And I know that I preach on this every year, and I have in my annual sermonic calendar every single year, at least once, if not twice or three times, you're going to hear me preach a sermon about daily devotions because this is one of the ways that God recreates His image upon us. This is not salvation by devotions. Don't get me wrong. You don't have to have a timer, but this is the important principle that by beholding you become. And if you behold Jesus Christ each and every day, you'll become like Jesus Christ. And I'm going to be talking a little bit more about this in our upcoming sermons through this summer. And we're going to be offering, uh, not today, but in the future, for those that uh, have uh, covenanted to spend time in Bible study and are interested in this, in this correlated Bible readings, I've started in my personal devotions uh, this program of the correlated Bible readings. Have you, have you ever uh, heard of this before? Okay, some of you have. And this is a wonderful book, and it gives three systematic Bible study plans correlated with the following books. Okay, so you can read through the Bible in one year or three years or five years following this plan. There's actually three plans in here, the one year, the three year, and the five year plan for reading the Bible through. And the beautiful thing about this is that in addition to reading the Bible through, you are given a program where you can read it through with the Confidence of the Ages series, Steps to Christ, Doubts, Thoughts from the Mount of Blessing, and Christ Object Lessons, which means if you follow the one-year program, you will have completed the entire Bible, the five Confidence of the Ages series, Steps to Christ, Thoughts from the Mount of Blessing, and Christ Object Lessons. Isn't that beautiful? And the nice thing about it is that it's five days a week. Five days a week. You can be on the three-year plan or the five-year plan, and I've just been checking this thing off, and uh, by the grace of God, I'm on the one-year plan. And uh, there's this habit cycle that I've been learning about in one of my audio books, and, and I'm just finding that I just get satisfaction in the morning. I read through in the Confidence Ages and, and the Bible, and I go through, and then I go to my little thing here, and I have a pencil, and I check it off. Oh, that feels so good. I mean, just sense of satisfaction. And, and then I, every now and then I go through there and I look through all my check marks. And I'm like, whoo, praise God. I mean, I'm just, you know, and, and I'm looking forward to the moment that I make my last check mark. And then I'm going to start all over again. So this is, this is what you can, because you can never uh, say, oh, I've, I've already read the Bible. I don't need to do that again. Isn't that right? This is an infinite word of God. So I want to encourage us. You're going to be hearing more about this. Uh, we want to make this available for you, but uh, we want to also encourage that there be some commitment if we do um, offer this to you um, as well. So you're going to be hearing more about this in the upcoming weeks. And, and months here, but I've just personally been blessed by this study, and you want to make this a habit on a daily basis. Just like you eat breakfast at a certain time, you just want to get through the 
the habit where you get up in the morning and those neural pathways are so strong, you go exactly to that chair, you grab the Bible that's in that same place just without thinking. You know, just grab it and you open it like clockwork because that habit, that trait of character has become solidified. It has become set. And I believe that by the grace of God, you can get to the place through a lifestyle of choices where you think like Jesus. You say amen, and you love people like Jesus, and you care for people like Jesus naturally because through saying yes to Jesus Christ, that habit, that character, that lifestyle has become solidified in your heart and mind. And that's my desire. I don't know about you, friends, as we move forward in this journey. The message of hope here this morning is that all of us right now, today, have the opportunity to let Jesus form his character within us. Amen? I want to invite you to stand with me as we prepare to close, every head bowed and eyes closed. We just want to open the doors of the church here this morning. My first appeal is this. If you want to say, Lord Jesus, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, help me by the grace of God to spend time with you each and every day. You want to say, Lord Jesus, help me. If that's your desire, I just want to invite you to raise your hands here this morning. Say, Lord, help me to spend time with Jesus. I want to have Jesus make his image in my life. God bless you here this morning. I want to make my second appeal. If you have not fully accepted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, and you hear God speaking to your heart this morning, you've heard his voice a long time, but today you hear him saying, come, I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I recognize that Jesus died for me. I recognize I'm a sinner, but he's the Savior. I recognize that I don't have the ability, but that he has the capability, friends. And you just want to respond to God's voice today and say, Lord, I've been holding out, but today I recognize is my best opportunity. And you want to say, Lord, I want to fully accept Jesus as my Savior and Lord today. I want to invite you to come forward for special prayer this morning. Is there someone here? I want to say, Lord, I want to accept you as Savior of my life. Jesus died for you, friends. Jesus purchased God bless you, my brother. God bless you. Heaven is rejoicing. God bless you, brother. Is there someone else? You hear God speaking to your heart, and you want to say, Lord, I accept that provision here today. We're just giving the opportunity this morning for you to respond to God's voice. He says, if any man open the door, I will come in to him. My third appeal this morning is this. You want to say, Lord Jesus, I have an area of my life that I'm struggling with. We all struggle at certain points of our Christian experience. But you want to say, Lord, this particular area, I need special prayer. I need to lay this area on the altar and Perhaps God is the only person that knows about this area, and that's okay. And you want to say, Lord, I surrender. I want to lay this area on the altar before God today. I give you 
this certain struggle in my life, please give me the victory. And you want special prayer here this morning. I want to invite you to come forward as well. Lord, I have an area in my life that I need special prayer for, a certain struggle, a certain challenge that I want to lay on the altar before God. Our Father and our God, we stand before you today not because we are worthy, but because you are. We recognize our sinfulness, yet at the same time, we recognize you as our Savior. And Lord, today, I pray for my brother who has accepted you as Savior and Lord of his life. Lord, we know that heaven is rejoicing right now. We know that you have accepted him. You have died for him, Father, and I just pray that you would shield him, that you would build him up. We claim the promise that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, all things are passed away. All things are become new. And I pray this for my brother here today. Thank you for his decision. We know that right now, in that instant, his name was written in the Lamb's book of life. We thank you for that. I pray for those that have come forward that have a challenge in their area, a struggle in a certain part of their life that they want to submit before you. And Lord, we have come. Lord, there is not, nothing that is too difficult for God. And Lord, we, we have grappled with this. We've fallen many times. And it's not our track record that matters. It is our willingness to allow you to make us more like Jesus. That's the most important thing. And I just pray for every individual. You know the heart. You know the struggle. You know the challenge. You know the area of their life that they have battled with perhaps for many, many years. And I just pray today that you would give them courage, Lord. Give us all hope that you will never leave us or forsake us. We surrender this area of our life before you, and we know that there is no place more invincible yet more helpless than the soul that feels his nothingness and leans on the merits of the blood of Jesus. And that's what we're doing here today. And I pray that you would cover every single individual that's come forward. Grant us the victory. Grant us the peace that passes all understanding. We thank you that you have heard and answered our prayers here this morning. For we ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. And amen. God bless you. God bless you. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.